Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each week, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and on our website at ProChoiceOhio.org. The program also airs each Friday morning at 9 on WGRN 94.1 in Columbus, Ohio. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL ProChoice Ohio. Enjoy the show! Hey, I'm Gabe. Hey, I'm Kelly. And I'm Jamie. And I feel like it's been since March since I have been on a podcast. <laughs> like, I don't know that I've done one of these since we all vacated the office and retreated home and for COVID. I was just thinking about March and there's a small part of my brain, Jamie, where it's me and you are still sitting in a restaurant in Cincinnati after a court hearing on March 12th, you know, having a yeah. with a lawyer because it's like time just froze. It, it really is. I was, I was actually thinking about that. That was like the last normal people thing <laughs> that I did before all of this, but now it's not March anymore and it's snowing outside, which means, and it's snowing outside in an even number of years. So it means it's lame duck season. Yay! Most Coastal people would say it's Christmas. Yeah. Can you duck. define lame duck for people who don't know the term? Yeah, so it refers to the period between a election and the end of a session or end of a term. So Trump is a lame duck president um, that will be ousted on the 20th of January. The Ohio legislature is a lame duck legislature because um, it will end its session on December 31st at 11.59 p.m., if not sooner than that. Um, so basically, it's a no-holds-barred crazy period of time where anything can happen in the legislature because a legislator either got reelected and they know they're going to come back next year, or they didn't get reelected and they say, screw it, let's just do whatever we can to do things before we leave. They have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose, in so, either case. I also think the bad behavior comes from this notion that they're so far away from having to face the voters again that they think what they do now won't be remembered or people are so busy with the holidays that they're not paying attention. Um, so it's it's when they do the most shameful things. I mean, Jamie, didn't you say that something like 40% of the abortion restrictions have been passed during lame duck? It encompasses 9% of the of the term of the legislature, but yeah, like 40% of abortion restrictions have passed during lame duck. And and it's crazy because it's funny, they started health committee yesterday and the um, chairman, Republican chairman of the committee apologized for it starting late and started complaining about like craziness and blah, blah, blah. And I just wanna like scream at the live feed that this is because of you. It doesn't have to be this way. You could have done all of this stuff in May, June, July, but instead, no, you decided to shove it all into lame duck. So you don't get to complain. <laughs> you control this process. You are 100% in charge of the process. So yeah. Also, it it's was alarming to see the chairman of the health committee um, preparing to make health decisions for everyone else in Ohio while not wearing a mask. Um, while there has been a documented outbreak at the state house and and two of his colleagues are hospitalized with COVID. But, you know, it's great. The chairman of the health committee is uh, following the CDC's guidelines. And, oh, no, he's not. 
Mm-hmm. It is funny though, he's gotten closer to doing it. He's mask adjacent now. It hangs off his ear. He has one. That uh, makes me angrier. It does. There's something <laughs> about that that makes me more I have this thing. upset. I'm like, it's right there. Hang it off the other ear. Right. It's not like you forgot it in your car or you don't have one. It's right there. Hanging off your ear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The state house is contaminated. The state legislature is a super spreader group of people specifically the republicans they're getting the democrats sick um but the republicans are failing to take appropriate precautions well and it makes it so much more critical that the systems that the legislature have are used and and implemented yesterday for this hearing the last hearing on the telemedicine ban which we'll get into in a minute We have five different pieces of testimony, but never got loaded into the system. People submitted written testimony to committee. They voted on the bill and they didn't even see all the testimony that was sent into the committee. I think it just reveals two things that we know about about this legislature and lame duck. One, they don't care what anyone has to say. Nope. And number two, they know that the public isn't with them. That's why they're doing all of this stuff to shield themselves. I mean, even I think to the point of using COVID um, as a way to shield themselves from the public and from having to be accountable to the people who pay their salary. I mean, I hate to say that as a former public employee because it's so, so annoying when someone comes in and says, I pay your salary, but it's true. Like we elect these people and then through our tax dollars, we pay them to do this work and for them to be so dismissive. um, I think it's just the epitome of of what happens when you have one party rule and all these gerrymandered districts and just all the things that are going on in politics right now that make, um, make it so that we don't have the public servants that we deserve. Speaking of public servants we deserve. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move into talking about what's happening in the legislature today. DeWine, in the middle of a press conference, I think in a surprise to everyone, named Stephanie McLeod, the daughter of the founder of Citizens for Community Values. She was named as the director. She is not a doctor. I did not forget the doctor in front of her name. Um, She is a lawyer, has no healthcare experience. Additionally, she's, of course, anti-choice, and the Department of Health has huge um, oversight over whether or not abortion clinics can function. And we saw definitely during the Kasich administration how much the director of the Department of Health impacts whether or not clinics can continue to operate in our state. Well, I think this just really underscores how far opponents of abortion um, or marriage equality are willing to go to impose their ideology on everyone. I mean, here we are during a global pandemic on the verge of, you know, having to um, vaccinate the public, getting to, I should say, um, and they put in place someone who was clearly chosen and vetted by these anti-abortion and anti LGBTQ rights organizations. I mean, that should never have been the criteria. And yet it clearly was. Instead of choosing someone who could really make the best decisions and lead the Ohio Department of Health. 
so yes, like uh, like Jamie said, that's today. For those listening, we're recording this on Wednesday, December 16th. So that's what today means. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this isn't the first uh, thing during this lame duck post-election session that we've dealt with. They've already passed and is now sitting on DeWine's desk, Senate Bill 27. Jamie, can you explain what Senate Bill 27 is? And so Senate Bill 27 is a bill that would require all fetal tissue following abortion to be buried or cremated. Right now, biological tissue following abortion is handled in the same exact way all biological tissue is handled in medical situations. DeWine as Attorney General and current <laughs> Attorney General Dave Yost as auditor both started spurless <laughs> investigations into Planned Parenthood and other clinics disposal practices and found that all laws were being followed. There was nothing going wrong. So again, Senate Bill 27 is definitely a bill in search of a problem rather than actually a solution for anything. Really what this bill is about is making abortion more expensive, more difficult to access, and putting additional barriers between people getting the care that they deserve and that they need. Once again, this legislature is focused on scoring political points instead of actually helping people. It also does some weird stuff with um, definitions of various things. Like it starts talking about blastocytes and zygotes um, for people who do not remember high school biology. Those are forms that are one or two cells. So well before somebody is actually pregnant because pregnancy doesn't start until a fertilized egg implants in the uterus. And that is like up to a week after fertilization. Um, and so this whole adding of those words just really shows how out of touch with actual science these people are because an abortion is not happening at a blastocyte or a zygote stage of development. It's just a way to continue to be ridiculous and stupid and completely out of touch with reality. So yes, that passed the House and the Senate and is sitting on DeWine's desk. Well, and I think part of what's so terrible about this bill is that it's, it's part of just an overwhelming amount of regulations on abortion that are not medically necessary, but rather designed to intimidate and shame patients as they're seeking the procedure. Like the fact that they're now gonna have, clinics are now gonna have to ask them, do you want burial or cremation? Nobody asks you that um, when you, you know, have biological material after any other procedure. Um, this is, you know, this is a, also, as Jamie said, it's about making it more expensive and more difficult, but it's also about causing emotional damage um, to the people who seek abortion care. And um, the cruelty of that, I think, you know, should be noted. Right. Uh, Senate Bill 260, moving on to the next chunk of legislation. So that was the bill I was talking about earlier, where they refused to actually give us, um, let us testify. Senate Bill 260 is a super interesting bill to be passing right now in the middle of a pandemic where everybody on the planet is using telehealth for everything, sitting in front of a computer, talking to their doctor, um, staying up on healthcare. Is good. <laughs> yes, from the safety of your home without exposing you or your family to COVID. So Senate Bill 260 is a ban on the use of telemedicine for medication abortion care. So in the state of Ohio, the only um, clinic that is doing this is Planned Parenthood. Um, they, because of Ohio law, the patient still has to come all the way to one of their abortion clinics. So Cleveland, Columbus, or Cincinnati for the first day visit. 
because that has to be physically in the presence of the physician performing the abortion. For their telehealth, what they do is because Planned Parenthood has a whole bunch of health centers that are not licensed as surgical abortion facilities, it allows the patient to come to, if they live in Mansfield, go to the Mansfield Health Center instead of driving all the way back down to Columbus for the second appointment. They sit on a video screen with the doctor in that health center. Um, they are provided the medication and they take the medication there with other healthcare providers around them. And then they go home, just like any other patient getting medication abortion in any other health clinic around the state. It is exactly the same, except that they are talking on the second day over a video conference. I think what's interesting is the antis keep talking about how dangerous it is. Um, research has actually shown that there were fewer complications with telehealth use for medication abortion than they are with patients coming into the clinic. So it's actually safe just as safe to do telehealth than it is to go into a clinic and do it face-to-face -face with the doctor. There's really no difference. And it's super interesting that all of their commentary was about you know, what happens after you take the medication. It doesn't matter. If you were at the health center in Mansfield or a health center in Columbus, you take the pill and you drive home. It right. doesn't matter where the, per the person is not in the, the clinic for the next three days. So their whole argument is just ridiculous and stupid. Abortion is safe, no matter what no matter where where they're going and this whole notion that abortion is less safe in tele, telehealth is again just a ruse to make abortion less accessible and less accessible in the state of ohio right it's not like this hasn't been studied it's not like it hasn't been looked at this is the most uh, overly studied reported recorded uh, audited uh, form of healthcare and set of healthcare providers of any kind of medicine. I mean, Republicans in office have been searching for something that they can claim is dangerous. And there just isn't any sign of any danger. One point in your testimony, Jamie, that I think is noteworthy is that medication abortion is way safer than taking Tylenol. So, yeah, I mean, when you, yeah, you look at all of these things and you compare the risks of, of taking various medications, and especially in the middle of a pandemic, when not only is that person having to travel far from home once, but multiple times to get access to the healthcare they need, um, when they could be doing it um, in a much safer way. And, and, and interesting too, there's actually a federal lawsuit right now happening because the FDA is the reason why the patient has to go, still go to a health center that second day and that the medication can't be mailed, that the medication must be taken in a facility um, is part of the FDA protocol. And so at the beginning of the pandemic, um, doctors in Maine actually sued the FDA, FDA saying that that requirement is unnecessary and overly burdensome, especially in the middle of a pandemic, um, forcing somebody to come to a clinic to get a medication that could be mailed to them instead. And the courts actually have agreed with the providers up there and said, yes, there is no reason why this medication in the middle of a pandemic cannot be mailed or otherwise delivered to that patient's home. So at the same exact time that Ohio is like, hold my beer, we're going to make this harder. The federal government is saying, actually, there's no reason why this medication has to be delivered in that way. Well, and, and I think that that just underscores what we know about all of the different restrictions they try to put on abortion. It's not based in science. It's not based in patient safety. It's about piling on more and more ways to put 
abortion out of reach for people who need it. And, um, and I think so often, you know, every time we, you know, and, and it's our job and as advocates, of course, to, you know, really examine all the ins and outs and the impacts and all of that of, of legislation. And I think sometimes, you know, people are like, well, what's this bill do? What's that bill do? And, you know, really, they're trying to, like, we even have conversations sometimes at our, at our board where they're like, well, you know, help me understand. And I'm like, there's nothing to understand. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no logic behind this. There's no science behind this just excuses and stigma. And, you know, and I think that's one of the things that I really like to share with people sometimes. It's like, don't feel like you have to be so expert on all the ins and the outs of the policy and the lawsuits like Jamie is. Um, you already know in your gut why this is wrong. Um, you, are, you are very expert already. Um, you don't have to be a policy expert to see through um, what all of this is. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's, about, it's about harming people. And public service should never should never devolve into that. Right. We've got links in the show notes for both of these bills. If you want to send an email to uh, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine demanding a veto on Senate Bill 27, uh, or if you would like to send an email to your Ohio state representative asking them to stop Senate Bill 260, um, check out the links in the show notes. I would also take to Twitter, man. Get on Twitter. Call, pick up your phone. Like, get after them. They, you know, they don't let them sit behind, you know, all of their, um, you know, all the walls that they put up between them and you. You know, make sure they hear your voice. Let them hear about it. Yeah. And again, this is Wednesday, December sixteenth. We expect that the um, House will vote on Senate Bill two sixty tomorrow on the seventeenth during the session which starts at 11 a.m. And if they're done before 10 p.m., we'll be super surprised. It is a one COVID bonus. I am doing all of this <laughs> from the comfort of my house where I have all available food and beverages and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you didn't have to pack a knapsack full of uh, provisions this time. <laughs> and a flask. Yes, well, that's obviously part of the provisions. Uh, okay, the last topic uh, that we want to discuss this week uh, is the killing of Casey Goodson Jr., um, shot by a Franklin County deputy sheriff um, in Columbus uh, last week. This killing has made national headlines. Um, the deputy sheriff, Jason Mead, had been operating earlier that day in a project with the U.S. Marshals. The marshal's uh, office has said that by the point uh, of the confrontation between these two men, uh, Deputy Meade was no longer part of their project. I guess they called it a day and said, okay, go back. And that makes Deputy Meade no longer part of the marshal's project, but then just a sheriff's deputy. Sheriff's deputy or the, sher the Franklin County Sheriff says that's news to him. Columbus police said that they don't have uh, the capacity to properly investigate this. They asked the state to take over the investigation three days afterwards. The state said, no, we can't do this because you didn't call us that day. And so now the investigation is in the hands of the feds. Uh, you know, I think your, your timeline just shows how many times i'm i can't use the word i want to use because i curse 
how many times they screwed up mm-hmm. in this process. I mean, it started with the murder. The murder was the first screw up, but there were so many other screw ups after that. I mean, right. the first story that came out was he was working with the federal marshals trying to get a fugitive from the law captured. And it made it sound like Casey was the fugitive that they were after. And that is not at all the case right. in this case. It's, uh, it seems like they always find time to try to get their story straight, but they don't find time to get it right. right. And, yes. you know, the, the thing of, this happens all the time. There's no excuse for not being able to be on top of this. And when I think about what Casey's grandmother witnessed that day, because she was in the house, she was shot at his door with a sandwich in his hand coming into the door. And, and that happened in front of children, in front of his grandmother, his mom found out when her five-year-old, when his five-year-old sibling called screaming on the phone. Um, this is not, this is about a family, but this is also first and foremost, that saw something no one should ever see. But this is also about every family in this community and others who know that this could happen to their son or daughter just as easily and that they're the likelihood that there'll be any justice that the people responsible for this will be held accountable um, will be charged with murder and will be incarcerated as anyone else would be for a similar crime simply because they happen to be employed by law enforcement um this It's hard for me to understand how anyone could defend that. How anyone could say, no, I'm not gonna take that investigation and just walk away from it. Um, This man was shot in front of his five-year-old sibling and his grandmother. There has to be justice, not just for them, but for every family who lives under this reign of terror, for every mother that has to have that conversation with her son. And let's be clear, we're talking about black and brown parents here. We're not talking about white parents. This doesn't happen. Law enforcement officers don't shoot people in the back when they have a sandwich in their hand walking into their house. They don't do that to white sons and daughters. They do that to black and brown sons and daughters. And, you know, some people might say, well, why is this something that NARAL cares about? Because being able to decide when and if to parent includes being able to know that your child will be able to live and thrive and that they won't be gunned down simply because of the color of their skin in front of you and your other children. There is no such thing as reproductive justice or freedom if we don't eradicate this from our country. Yeah. I mean, you said it all there, right? Right. It's, and so, you know, there is a GoFundMe um, link to support the family. We'll put that in the show notes as well. 
Um, there have been a couple of protests organized. Um, encourage everyone to like turn to seasoned organizers on this and take the lead of the family um, who is very, very much grieving at this point and, and follow others leads on, on where we go from here. Um, the family has asked for that. Activists have been asking for that. So you know, get, check out um, Be Quick, check out the People's Justice Project. They are two groups doing amazing work, um, really taking the lead on all of this and, all, and, and Columbus. Yes, and I so appreciate how hard what the, the work is that these groups are doing, you know, trying to, you know, both um, organize a community that's rightfully outraged um, at the same time as honoring and protecting the wishes of a family who hasn't even been able to bury their son yet. You know, his body is still evidence um, they're still waiting to be able to do their own autopsy because they can't trust the authorities. Um, you know, so, you know, the organizing that these groups are doing is incredibly complex and important, and um, we should all support those organizations as well. Right. Yeah, the layers to this um, keep, that it, it seems like the layers just keep increasing every single day that goes by. Um, we've seen terrific uh, reporting from the Columbus Free Press uh, that put out an article including an audio file of uh, Deputy Jason Mead preaching in a Baptist church. Uh, that is not preaching. That is lying. The things that he said in there were, they, that was not true theology. That was abuse of the Bible for a viewpoint. That was weaponizing the word of God for violence. And it's one of the most despicable things I have ever heard as a person of faith. That's an, I, this is not directed at you, Gabe, obviously, but like to have that be called preaching just makes my blood boil. I understand and yeah. agree. Um, we found that to be some, some pretty important uh, reporting that came out from them. Uh, I also saw the New York Times reported on this, and there was a detail that they included that I hadn't seen anywhere else that the uh, members of the marshal's um, office that were participating in that project that day, they said it was a fugitive manhunt. Uh, I didn't realize they were wearing plain clothes. They weren't in uniform. And that's not something that had come out um, in, in any previous reporting that I'd seen. And I feel like that is kind of an important detail. There's, there's you know, we, we still don't know, largely because no one was wearing a body camera that day, apparently, which is another issue that I believe Franklin County commissioners have started to discuss. And, you know, they're looking at, okay, what does it take to get every deputy in the sheriff's department body cameras? But there's so many details that we, you know, we still as a community need to know, the family deserves to know. Um, yeah, I think it was really interesting on the plain clothes front. I can't remember if it was the New York Times or something else I read, like a neighbor called the cops to report the shooting because he didn't know the cops had done the shooting because nobody was in a uniform. 
Right. So and this is what they look like. They look like a gang of people just shooting down somebody else. And that is exactly what they were, people yeah. shooting down other people. So many details still need to be explained. So yeah, so many, so many questions. <sighs> and on that not fun note, <laughs> we're out of time today. So uh, thank you to the uh, members of the state legislature who are continuing to do their job um basically the house democrats um basically hazmat suits need to be in hazmat suits Um, i mean it's a dangerous work site yeah she get osha involved right (laughs) although they're not doing anything so we're all going to get back to work we'll keep folks posted again please do check out the links in the show notes if you're listening to us on the radio go to prochoiceohio.org for more information Um, Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates as these topics continue to unfold. Please stay safe and warm, everyone. We care. Bye. Bye.